Thank you for joining us on the Our New Normals podcast. I'm Kim Devine. Traumatic brain injury survivors finally have a platform for sharing their own personal stories, obstacles, and struggles. We'll also hear from the different medical professionals, such as physical, occupational, and speech therapists, doctors, nurses, and more. Let's join in now to the Our New Normals podcast. Thanks to all of our faithful listeners for joining us here today. Please welcome Tom, Gail, and Hannah Strom from Marion, Massachusetts. Welcome all to the Our New Normals podcast. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello, everyone. Let me start out by saying this is very personal and a special podcast to me. Our listeners don't know how we all first met, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. Tom and Gail, tell us a little bit about your family and children's lives before the accident. Was it as normal as on Leave It to Beaver, (laughs) or somewhat different? Before the accident, you know, what we consider just as like a perfect little family, Hannah was at her dream college. David was at in high school. He was the, uh, just started his sophomore year at Tabor. You know, Tom was busy with his restaurant. I was working at Verizon. I still am, but, you know, going to Verizon, you know, life was good. We live in a small little village town, you know, a quaint little village town called Marion. And it's sort of the town where everybody just knows everybody. Tabor is right in the center of town, so everything was local, and things were great. You know, it was it was normal. Hannah was back at college already for her second year, sophomore year. Sometimes, John, uh, I forget how life was after the accident. I had to think of how it once was, but it was sort of, you know, it was a perfect little life. Yeah, I know what you mean. Trust me, as a young lady... And now a young woman, Hannah, share with us what going to high school was like back then. Did you aspire to go to college? Yes. When I was in high school, it was a college preparatory high school. I went to Tabor Academy, so the end goal was going to go to college. So that was always in the plan for me. I did want to attend college uh, from like my freshman year. Probably my junior year of high school was when I started the recruiting process. So I started like reaching out to um, schools and coaches and things like that just to get my name out there. I just tried like I started the recruiting process probably my junior year of high school. I would say that I definitely loved high school. I think that I had a different high school experience than a lot of other kids. I know that a lot of people say that say this about college, but they say like college the best four years of my life. Like, I would definitely say that, that that would be true for my high school years, like, with the rowing team at Tabor and 
Um, I had a great friend group at Dayward, and I would I would say those were the best four years of my life. That's wonderful, Hannah. Tom and Gail, how did you both first learn of what happened to Hannah, and was she in Massachusetts? Uh, no, she actually was in Vero Beach. She had flown down the day prior because this was after the Christmas break. They chose about 20 girls that would go down for winter training. She was one of the 20, so she flew down on January 14th, got to Vero Beach, and was to be there for about it was like five or six days for the winter training at the Vero Beach Rowing Club. It was the very next day that the accident occurred around 7.30, a little before 7.30, a little after 7.30 um, in the morning. So she wasn't even there 24 hours when the accident occurred. But it, it happened in Vero Beach, Florida, and we flew down. Tom, myself, and her brother David flew down to Vero Beach. You also asked how we learned about it. it I had gone to work that morning. I did my normal routine in the morning. I, I took my dog, Shannon, for a walk, and I took a picture of her or a video. I actually sent it to Hannah, you know, and I said, you know, we miss you. And, you know, she loved the message. It was 7.01 in the morning. And I got back home, and I sort of regrouped because I had to leave for work. And I went to work, and I was at work, and it was about 10 o'clock, and I had a, a break. I was taking my break and I went to, we have a gym, a property, and I had gone down to the gym to talk to one of the coaches there and my phone rang and it was a number I didn't recognize, but it was from Rhode Island. So I, I didn't answer it because I was talking to the coach and, and then when I left to head back to my desk, Tom called and said, you know, you need to come home. And I asked why, and he just said, just please come home. And he finally said, there was an accident. Hannah was in an accident. You just need to come home. Then I just remember literally pretty much screaming, and I just ran to my desk and shut everything down and gathered my things. I, I don't can't even tell you how I got from A to B, like home, but I ended up at home. Um, there were people at work that didn't want me to drive, but I kind of plowed through everybody, got to my car, and drove home. We started learning more about the accident, and David came home. We got David from school, and we all booked a flight in Florida. So Tom was the one that received the call to tell you? Yeah. Yeah, they called me at work. How was Hannah transported to Boston? Was she med-flighted up here, where we have some of the best hospitals in the world. Right. We were making plans for her to stay down there because we just didn't know. After hearing all the bad news, you really weren't thinking too well. And everyone said, you got to get her to Boston. Then Holy Cross made the phone call for us. Then we met flighted her up that next day. I would like to ask the both of you a two-part question. One, when did Hannah regain consciousness? And two, when was Hannah told about what had happened to her and the devastating news of the accident? We got back to Boston on the 21st of January. The accident happened January 15th. And then she was in ICU at Mass General Hospital from 
the 21st of January to February 11th. She was really still not conscious. She got to Spalding, and I remember them telling me that the very next day they were had her all scheduled for PT, OT, and speech. And, you know, they said, we're going to get her up for PT. And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, how are they going to get her up? She's not even awake. You know, like I didn't understand. But, you know, you know how it is, John. They, they dive right in. They get you going. And, oh, yeah. So that's what they did with her, and she still really wasn't too much with it. Probably, I'd say, maybe the end of February or so, I'd say, sort of started to, to kind of wake up a little bit more. I do remember about the accident, she really didn't get full details because every morning when therapy came in to work with her, they always started out by telling her, the therapist would say, Hi, Hannah. My name's Abigail. The reason you're here, you were in an automobile accident. You were on your rowing trip. You know, they went over why she was there every, you know, every therapy session. She really didn't know the details of it, say, until she was probably home a while. And she didn't even, we told her about her friend who didn't survive the, the accident. She really didn't believe us at first. But then we caught her Googling it on her iPad. And you see her looking at the article, reading it. She will tell you now that's when it sort of hit her that, wait, this is true, you know. I am reminded of the scripture in the Old Testament, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I know for me, lying unconscious for three weeks and being transferred from Boston Medical Center Hospital in Charlestown some five weeks later, it was only then that I started to realize and begin to understand what really had happened to me. With the explosion of the COVID-19 virus, I truly didn't know if I would ever be able to walk or talk again. I remember lying consciously on my right side and not being able to move my entire right side at all. I distinctly remember crying out, what the heck is this? I was just hitting a tennis ball a hundred feet in the air in front of my house working on tracking down fly balls with my son Robin. We were working on his defense for his potential college baseball career. What is this? I was stunned. Hannah, the reason I say this is because by sharing your own personal truth of this unfortunate, traumatic, and tragic accident, You'll be helping more people than you know to heal by letting them know that through your testimony and inspiration that they are not alone anymore. Tell our listeners what it was like for you, Hannah, when it sunk in what happened to you. Well, I didn't know. So my phone was destroyed in the crash, obviously, so I couldn't look up the news and I don't think that 
I was in a like a good mental state and I like I didn't know where I was really like it honestly it felt like a dream I just had no idea like what had happened or where I was and then I my birthday is in the summer so um everybody who was in my grade on the team um we all gathered to celebrate my birthday and my friend Grace wasn't there and I knew like I was like oh that's weird because she usually like always would have been there so then at that point I was like okay something is something's up so I checked my phone and I read all of the news this was like six months after the accident even happened so I was basically in the dark about it for six months like not knowing anything that was going on but and when I found like when I found out I was obviously it was heartbreaking and like earth shattering but I would say that when I did find out about it it obviously made me sad it was so heartbreaking to hear about like the news and what what had happened but when I found out about it it kind of lit a fire under my butt and just like <laughs> I, I wanted to prove people wrong because people thought that I like I wasn't able like I wasn't supposed to be able to like do certain things and I kind of just wanted to prove every everybody wrong and be like no I can do it like they said that I couldn't or I can't I used to not be able to walk but now I'm like running and like I shouldn't be able to do certain things, but I kind of use that as my motivation. My motto is I do it because I can. So I just do it because some people don't have the opportunity to. Good for you, Hannah. I know how you feel. Trust me, Gail and Tom. Give our listeners a sense of how your days started out with Tom in the restaurant, and what were some of the different therapies the doctors wanted for Hannah? The in-home therapy for about, I'd say a good month, and they would come to the house and should do a little bit of OT, PT, and speech. David worked with her a lot with therapy and weights, and David and Tom would take her walking around the block and things like that, you know, like she would go on walks a lot with them. You know, it started out, it would be just down the ramp and back, and then it would be down the ramp, a little down the street and back, and then before you know it, she was going around the block. Tom and David mainly did that. I was um, I was a little nervous she was going to fall, so I, I, was, I didn't go on those, but, but Tom, you can tell, you know, you did that. You can learn more about John's incredible journey by visiting his website at gracefromabove.org. That's gracefromabove.org. See how a divine touch of God inspired him to write his book, Grace, the e-book, Does God Really Exist?, and how this podcast was born. I'm Kim Devine. 
Please join us for another edition of the Our New Normals podcast.